Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. Um, today I am joined by Darren Jameson, who is director of uh, Engage Web, which is an online marketing agency, and he's kindly agreed to join me today and talk about his brand and his business and, and everything he's been up to. So welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much. So um, obviously the title, Build Better Brands, that's what I want to kind of talk about today. Um, you know, I touched on earlier that ultimately for me, I, I feel like branding starts with the individual. Um, and I'd like to know what your thoughts on that are and, and, and whether, whether you agree, if you disagree, fine as well. Um, and kind of how you got started really in building your own brand. Oh, well, my own brand. Ah, well, my, yes, my, my own brand originally, I, I wanted to be a film director. Oh. That was my goal growing up. I was, I was going to be the, uh, the next Quentin Tarantino in, in, in Hollywood making action movies. But um, it never happened, obviously, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I went to film school. I nearly made it. We went to the Cannes Film Festival, tried to get a film finance. We had an actor from The Bill who was going to be in the film after having even read, he read the script and he liked it. So it, it was all looking good, but we just couldn't get the finance. So I, I, I kind of fell into digital marketing, if you like, as sort of a uh, accidentally because I was doing it to help promote this film that we we're going to be doing. And I, I ended up working as the, the web designer for Game back in 2000. So it was being so young at the time, never really appreciated what a great job that was, working at game, getting loads of free video games, getting to play games during the day. None of the games journalists liked uh, liked any football games or Star Wars games or Star Trek games. Whenever they came in, I was the one that had to review those. We went to game launches. It was all a fantastic thing. And never appreciated it. I thought every job was going to be that good. It wasn't, as it turned out. Every job wasn't that good. And as I went for different agencies and, and, and design companies around the UK in places like Bristol and Manchester and, and Cardiff, I realized that I was never going to find that kind of environment again that I, I had. And the best way to do that was to create it yourself, uh, which is why we, we formed our own, own company in, in 2009 with a view of really essentially getting back to what that was that I had all the way back in, in, in the early 2000s. And it, it's sort of my own personal brand kind of formed from that, even though that's not what I intended it to be. I became this sort of digital marketing nerd with a bit of a mouth who would speak in front of people or more commonly speak at people, if I'm being truth be told, speak at people. And I'm less comfortable in a one-to-one -one environment. So to right now, speaking to you now, I'm petrified because <laughs> I don't have an audience of 2,000 people in front of me. That's what I much prefer because you can't see the everybody's close-up eyes you know you just see sort of waves of reaction which is why as, as we mentioned earlier before we started I was at a, a wedding yesterday for my nephew giving a speech in front of I, I don't know how many people there were 80 90 people and the majority of whom I did not know and I the the father of, of the one was was giving the speech and he was petrified he was an Irish fella and, and he was really didn't want to do it really uncomfortable and then their best man gave a speech and, and, and he was petrified. And then the other best man was going to give a speech and he was petrified. And I was like, give me that bloody microphone. <laughs> Just give me, give me that microphone and I'll show you how this is done. And I, it, 
that's sort of the brand I've created. It's me, it, it's, it's large, it's, well, physically large at the moment. I'm trying to work on that. As you, as you talked about health and, and, and mindfulness and, and fitness being important, that's something I, I need to massively work on. But I'm just this sort of large person that talks in front of people and, and has no qualms whatsoever about getting up onto a stage and, and just, just going for it. And that's kind of the brand I've, I've created for myself and the brand that I, I keep trying to portray. So when people see me, they know that I'm, I'm going to just basically go off on one. Usually there's going to be some sort of, some sort of rant that's, that's going to land me in it as well. So <laughs> be prepared for that. That could well happen. But yes, that, 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 that's essentially me. Branding is you. I completely agree with that. And it's not always what you set it out to be at the beginning. Sometimes it evolves and you're not necessarily in control of how it evolves, but you should, wherever possible, try to be and try to put it into a direction that you want it to be because it's going to obviously massively affect your business and, and what you're going to be and what you do impacts on that and your business impacts on your brand. So I know there are, there are some people I know um, who try to separate their personal brand and their business. And I've, I've never really understood why you do that or why you try to do that because it, it, it's sort of ingrained within you. I know there's people, for example, have two Facebook accounts. They have a personal Facebook account and a business Facebook account because they want to keep everything separate. But that means people aren't seeing the real you. They're not seeing the stories. They're not seeing the stuff you do with your family. They're not seeing the things that make you you or the, or the why you do what you do, which is probably the most important thing because that's why mm. people buy into your business or buy into yeah. you. They want to know who you are and why you do it. But there are people who try to do that, particularly if they're in a business where they're, I don't want to say embarrassed about, but they, they, they don't feel as comfortable talking about in other situations, like multi-level marketing, for example. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I've done it myself. You know, like utility warehouse. Quite often, people will have a separate brand for their utility warehouse because they want to keep it separate, but they need to make it them because people are buying into them. It's, it's their thing. It's, it's, it's their brand. And it's more important that people know who they are and why they do it than it is just, this is what I do. And yeah. People buy from me. And I'm not sure if I've answered your question. In the no, way. you have totally. And uh, there's, there's a couple of things that really stand out to me there. When you talk about the fact that knowing, you know, that a brand evolving and not necessarily knowing what direction a brand is going to go in. But knowing at the start why you're doing it, what your values are, and giving it a go and seeing what happens and kind of, I think that's where some people often go wrong is they don't really know, they don't set out their vision, what it is that they want to kind of do in the future, you know, what's, what's the change that they, they seek to make in the future. That, that, that's that's a huge thing what you've mentioned yeah. that's, changed. That, that's one of the things i see a lot with 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 companies that we work with particularly trades so they'll have a particular brand identity because initially they'll start off say an electrician or a plumber or a fencing company they'll start off doing stuff for residential and they'll do stuff sort of small scale maybe they'll go in and do a house rewire or they'll go in and they'll they'll put some sockets into a conservatory or they'll go in and do a fence for you know mrs thomas at 32 baker street but as they get bigger, they realize they can only do so many of those and they're exchanging their time for money and they want their business to grow. So they want to do more commercial work. So the electricians want to get into, they want to get into factories. They want to get into facilities managers. They want to get into multi-sites. The fencing companies want to get into huge, huge factories. So they're putting fences around, you know, 2,000 acre sites, whatever it may be. 
but how do they change their brand for that? Because their brand is residential. And then sometimes they'll try and switch up their website or maybe switch up their brand and try to hit both sides at the same time, but they are complete opposites and it doesn't work. And it's a mistake I always see people making if they're residential and their website's residential and all screams residential, and then they try and change it all because they want to do commercial. Suddenly they lose all their residential leads, all their residential customers, because people look at them and go, oh, well, they don't do what I want to do. Mm. They're too big. And really it needs to be two separate brands because it's two completely separate client bases. Yeah. And it's a branding mistake those companies often make. I think a lot of the time as well is companies a lot of the time will focus on the look and feel of the brand rather than the strategy. And that's something that I started to, as I started, I've been doing it for a little while now, we're in 2022. Um, that's something that I have realised is, is super important, that actually having, having a strategy, whether it's needing to pivot because of COVID or you're changing direction because you want to grow, maybe you've taken on more staff, bigger or maybe you want to appear bigger whatever those things are when when you don't have a clear strategy that's also when things go wrong and actually what you think you need to do isn't necessarily the right thing for your business yeah no i completely agree with that that people are always getting hung up on the look and feel of their their brand the look and feel of their website the look of their logo and they're not really thinking about why who is their target client? Who is their target audience? What is it that turns them on and turns them off? Stop thinking about what your logo looks like and what your colors look like and look at the real issues here. We, we had one client a while ago. I, I won't name them. If he's listening, <laughs> no, he is. <laughs> he, he came to us and, and he had his branding colors all sorted and he wanted to, to be a, a certain shade of blue because he was an Everton supporter and that's the color kit they wear really mm. that's your whole reason behind your branding decision of where you want to go with this because you support a particular football team and you like to see the color of their shirts reflected in your logo his business incidentally was nothing to do with football nothing to do with sport of any kind yet that was the reason he gave it you know, there's been no thought about who his clients are. There's been no thought about what his industry is, about who his competitors are, about what they're doing, about what their brand looks like, what their colors look like, the sort of things that their potential target clients and customers are looking for. Just, I like Everton, therefore <laughs> I want it to be blue. <laughs> what can you do with that? Um, I think in that sort of situation, I think it's always about just taking the time to educate clients. That's what I do um people don't know what they don't know and I think a lot of the time people can end up picking colors that they're drawn to because it's because they kind of forget that although the brand is their brand and it's their business it's not for them yeah. um it's for whoever it is that they're trying to help and I think it just comes from educating and, and helping people and clients to understand that the impact that colour has and the way it resonates with people, um, the, the psychology behind it, people, people don't know because they're not brand experts. They don't quite get it. And I think it's our job to go, OK, this is why you shouldn't do this and just educate. 
<laughs> yeah, that, this particular client didn't want to hear any of that, mm. and that was that was the end of it. Okay. Um, uh yeah that, that it's not was, always easy it's not it's always not easy, easy but it's not easy no it's not sometimes they don't want to listen they don't want to no. hear and they're so tied to it because they, because it's personal isn't it exactly yeah it's like what you said there it's, it, it shouldn't be about them the website isn't for them the, the branding isn't for them the colors aren't for them it's for their target market and so many people just don't get that and, and one one area we really see that is with uh website text website copy because I've, I've been a, a web designer now 22 something years ridiculous length of time and the backlog with any web designer any web designer will tell you is getting the web copy the web text out of the client you'll do the design you'll do the build you have the website ready to go and you'll be waiting for the text for the pages and the client will go uh i'm gonna get it to you next week i'm just working on it now and they just they don't want to do it because it it's it fills them with dread sitting down in front of a blank word document and writing out the text so from our perspective, our agency, we don't do that. We write the text for them. Mm. We know clients can't do that. And most people, when they try to write down their web copy, they'll write it from their perspective. So they'll talk about what they do, how long they've been in business, what experience they've got, uh, what, what stories they've got. They won't talk about it from the client's perspective, which is what people want to see. They want to know what's in it for them. Yeah. They don't care how long you've been in business. They don't care what experience you've got. They really don't give a monkeys about any of that. They just want to know what you're going to do for them. And that's how it has to be written. You're not writing the web text for yourself. You're writing it for your target client. And it has to reflect them and be about them. And that's what people don't get. You know, your brand isn't, isn't you. Although it, it is you, it's not for you. Yeah. It's for your audience. It's for your target clients. It's for your yeah. I think that's where having... Um this whole internal you know internal branding and external branding and I think that's where people get confused sometimes in that when I talk to people about a brand and being an extension of them what I'm talking about is the internal stuff okay so you know what drives you um what are your values what's your mission what why are you really doing this why should other people care those are all the you know internal internal values and, and things that keep you on the right route and keep you kind of remembering why you're doing it and and help to guide you in the right direction then when it comes to your external brand that's when your focus becomes less about you and more about the person you're talking to or the people you're talking to your target audience and I think that's where people get confused. They, they forget that brand isn't just what you show people. It's also internal. You know, how do you, how do you get your team together, you know, moving forward towards, towards the same kind of um, goals and stuff like that, all your internal values, and that's the difference. No, that's, that's a brilliant point, yeah. Your team is absolutely massive. I mean, even if if you're a one-man band or a one-woman band and you think you're, you're doing it all for yourself, there's always other people that are involved in it. If you're making stuff to post out, who you use for your courier is your team. So if you're using a courier that is chucking stuff over people's fences, that's reflecting on your business. That's mm. your team. You know, if you're using a call answering service, how they do it is your team. If you're um, using Microsoft for your email and half of your emails going into junk and it's and you're not replying to it. That's an extension of your team. That's how you reflect. So it's not just large companies with lots of stuff. 
it's even if you're working by yourself, anyone that you use, any company that you use, any supplier that you use that helps fulfill your business is your team. And that all reflects on how people see you and how they see your business and whether they enjoy the experience of, of working with you. I mean, we, we've put a lot of effort into help making our team as happy as they can be um, so that they give a really positive uh, out of uh, sort of positive um I forgot the word. I've lost the word. A positive thing. I'm going to say. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so clients have a good experience. Mm. So it is about how people make you feel. Because mm. when you're, I mean, we, we deliver training for people here in our offices. And one of the golden rules is that people will usually forget what you tell them. But they won't forget how you make them feel. No. Yeah. They won't forget the impact that it, that it had on them when they were there and how they felt when they were there and how they felt when they left. All of the nitty-gritty stuff, most of that will go out of their heads. But how they feel is important, and, and that comes from your team. Yeah, and, and again, and I think that's why, again, when I talk to clients about branding, I try and the reason I bang on so much about values and the change that they want to make and, and stuff like that is because there's often not just them out there doing what they want to do. There's going to be competitors. They're not going to be the only um, organisation in, in the space doing whatever it is that they're trying to do. Mm. So being able to connect with your customer and make them feel differently, you know, having that emotional connection with them, that's the difference between them being loyal and, and making a sale with you as opposed to going to someone else that's cheaper. Um, you know, when I think about oh, there's people people listening and eventually this will go on YouTube, but I'm holding up a pair of headphones and they're Beats headphones. Um, and I love these headphones. Um, I remember when they first came out and I tried them and I was like, wow, like I could genuinely hear different parts of the music that I hadn't, hadn't heard before. Um, and since then, Beats are the only headphones that I buy um you know I've got the ones that come with my phone which are the ones I've got in now but if I'm going to go out and actually buy a specific pair of headphones it's going to be Beats by Dre now there's plenty of other headphones out there and some are cheaper and some are more expensive but it's that emotional connection and remembering how I felt when I first listened to a track that I hadn't heard for a while and being like that sounds incredible that's what keeps me buying beats mm. I love the brand and and that's the difference isn't it having having that emotional connection having a brand make you feel something that's what creates brand loyalty and ultimately that's I think what we're all kind of looking for no that's that's 100 percent yeah because because people make their buying decisions based on emotion and then they justify it afterwards with logic but they will buy it on emotion. I mean, I'm wearing Bose headphones mm. right now. And I remember the first time I put Bose headphones on when I was on a plane. And you know, when you're on a plane, you've got that, that constant yeah. hum. Mm. And it's just there. It's just a noise. When you put the headphones on and you switch off the noise cancelling, it's like, whoa. <laughs> Where did everybody go? <laughs> and you think, I'll just take them off a second. Mm. Oh, put that back on. And it's just such a beautiful experience about being on a plane. Now, I can't go on a plane without having Bose headphones on. Because that hum, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. Uh, so what, 
tell me, um, what drives you then, Darren? What drives me? Yeah. That's a, That's a pretty broad question, but in terms of, you know, what, what you do now and, and, and having, having a business, what's been the, the key driver for you? I've thought a lot about this recently, actually, because since I've, I've started putting my own podcast together, I've been thinking about why I've been doing what I've been doing. And a, a large part of why has been, been my three children. Because I'm, I'm, I'm married for a second time now. I was, I was married back in early 2000s, and I've got three kids with my first wife. And I had a breakup in about 2006 when I was still living in, Car- in um, working in Cardiff, living in Newport in South Wales. And I didn't think I was going to see my three kids for, well, ever again, to be honest with you. I didn't think I'd ever see them again. Um, so I ended up just basically up in sticks and leaving Newport and going as far away as I possibly could, which, as it turned out, was Manchester. So not that particularly far, but it, mm. it's about 180, 200 miles away. And I ended up working in Manchester and I, I wasn't happy there either because the, the agency I was working for was doing some, let's say, some questionable search engine optimization practices <laughs> I knew were not authorized by Google. Mm. Um, and, and sure enough, agencies that were doing those things got into a bit of trouble when Google found out how to automatically detect paid links and they all went. Mm. Um, but I, I ended up setting up obviously my own agency, Engage Web, and I still had no contact with, with, with my three, three kids until one day I got a call out of the blue from my, my ex-wife asking if I knew anything about Facebook. But well, I, I do, because, you know, we work on Facebook every day. We, we, we run pages for people, you know, we do ads for people. And it turns out my, my eldest, who was probably about 12, 13 at the time, was being bullied on Facebook. Somebody had yeah. set up a fake profile uh, with his identity and, was, and, and he wasn't even on Facebook himself. And they wanted to know if anybody could find out who he was. And because I had my own agency, I had proper nerds mm. i mean hardcore dead nerds <laughs> you know the kind of nerds that that couldn't look a girl in the eye but they knew what they were doing yeah. in terms of coding stuff so they created this this system which effectively all we needed to do was to get this fake page owner to click on a link and then bang we had everything about them had everything about them so we got the the mobile number of the phone that had used this account. We got the email address that had set this account up. We got their IP address. We got the model of the phone and the make of the phone as well. And it was an unusual phone. And we gave all of this to the school. And the school was then able to identify who it was that set up this this fake account. And as a result of doing that, I was able to reconnect with all all three of my my kids again. I've now got a really good good relationship with them as a result. My daughter's up near me now in in university in in Liverpool. it's my son's birthday this weekend. I'm going down and taking him to see Batman tomorrow. Amazing. So, yeah, three hours of Batman. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. So it's because of, of them pretty much that I've, I, I keep going to do what I do because I, I strive to be, to be successful. I, I couldn't be without access to them and then working for somebody else and doing stuff that I knew wasn't going to work long-term for clients because it was, it was dodgy and unethical and that's the way they shouldn't be doing it. I needed to be successful. I needed to be in a situation where I could, I could be there when my, my children need them, um, mm-hmm. as I was then. And it, I was so lucky to be able to just, yeah, I can do that. 
I can I can absolutely get to the bottom of this. I can find out who's done this, and we can absolutely smash it for you. And because we had those nerds, <laughs> proper nerds, we were able to do it. And that's why I yeah, that's pretty much why I do what I do. I mean, I've got it goes way back into school as well. I've always wanted to be the center of attention. And I listened to a podcast recently, um, Russell Kane being interviewed on Stephen Bartlett's podcast. And Russell Kane talked about when he was at school, because he's a comedian, yeah. how he always wanted to be the center of attention. And he said there's something about Leo's being the center of attention. And I, I don't believe in horoscopes at all. I thought, oh, he's going off on one now. But then he explained it, and it made perfect sense. If you're a Leo, as I am, born in August, you're the youngest person in the year, which means you're typically the smallest person in the year and you're the least mature person in the year. You're the least developed person in the year, which means you tend to want to try and act up to get attention because you don't get it otherwise. Uh. He's also the youngest child, as I am. And if you're the youngest child, you don't get the attention from your parents. It all goes to everybody else. So you need to act up. So it makes sense that, that because I was born in August and because I'm the youngest <laughs> of four, that I, I've always wanted to be the centre of attention. I've always wanted to be that person that people look at when they're in a room because I'm the one standing up with a microphone talking. Um, so that's kind of encouraged me to, to go further than not just run an agency and, and help businesses with you know, digital marketing and, and websites and stuff, but also get up onto a stage and teach, get up onto a stage and show people how they can do it themselves, get up onto a stage and entertain people so that they remember what I'm showing them and they remember again how it makes them feel when they're there that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing I think amazing I wouldn't really, say that I wasn't well I really wasn't expecting that I just oh, I oh. think it's just you're amazing. supposed to be saying money money is the reason I do what I do <laughs> yeah. it's all it's all about the dollar all about the Benjamins that's it I mean it does have something to do with it but the fact that you what you do has not only enabled you to be able to help help your daughter but reconnect with all of your kids yeah. and and being in a position where you were able to drop things and help them because it's your business yeah yeah that's right and if i'd been employed i i, I may have had the know-how how to do it but i wouldn't have had the time i wouldn't have been able to say right we're spending the rest of the afternoon on this everybody get on it mm. i could do that and that's what i did having that freedom yeah so what exactly do you do for your customers? I have absolutely no idea what I do. <laughs> I've got no idea. Me, personally, I do as little as possible now. Um, okay. No, we uh, at EngageWeb, predominantly, we, we build websites for people. Um, I mean, I've, I said I've been a web designer for 20-something years. I started at Game. I, I designed the Game website three times back in the early 2000s because I like to refresh it every year. And it, it, was, it was a really fun job. Um, but we build websites for people. But we build websites that, that effectively work. Because mm. a lot of people, they'll come to us and they'll say, oh, how much is a website? And we'll tell them what it is. And I get that about Legos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got a mate called Dave down the pub that says he'll do it for 200 quid. Okay, well, you go and have a word with Dave down the pub and he'll do it for 200 quid. And then you come back to me in a year, year and a half when your website either isn't even finished or Dave down the pub has just buggered off and mm. you can't get hold of him. Or your website's finished and you've got absolutely no business from it whatsoever. Or it just doesn't work. You come back to me then. Or they can say, well, I can use Wix. Wix, I can build a website myself for free. It's like, well, yeah, you can. You can. You can, you can build a website with Wix for free. And if you're just starting out in business, then why not? Mm. 
Mm. Um, although Wix's websites, they are templated. All the images and the text will be exactly the same as every other website, which for Google is a massive no-no. Uh, Wix has got extremely heavy code behind it to make it really easy for people who don't know how to build websites to basically drag and drop a website, which means if you ever looked at the source code of a Wix website, not that you'd ever want to, but if you did, you'll see there's loads and loads of code. And Google has to sift through that code before it gets to the actual content of the website, which means they don't rank as well as other websites. Wix will tell you differently. Wix will tell you they've got a whole SEO department and they do all of these cool SEO things to help your website. They don't. You're effectively trying to win a Formula One race with a Ford Cortina. It's, <laughs> it's not going to work. You know, you're not going to beat somebody who has a, a website built bespoke with the same level. They're going to have a head start over you. They're going to have a bigger engine. You're, you're at a disadvantage. So you can have a Wix website, but it's not going to work. We build websites that are there to work, that are there to get people business. But one of the things that really knocks me about the, the search engine optimization industry is that people will just bang on and on and on and on about rankings. Oh, we'll get you to the top of Google. We'll get you on the number one at Google at this. So what? Yeah, but you, you're going to be number one. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter if you're number one in Google for a particular keyword. You need to be on Google for thousands of keywords mm. you need to be there for all the problems your customers are looking for nobody's going to go into google and type in branding consultants or logo designer they're going to go in and they're going to put in the questions that they are having problems with in their business and there will be thousands of them yeah that's what you need to be there for and it's not about being number one for a keyword it's about how much business does your website generate how many inquiries do you get how many leads do you get how many sales do you get that comes from traffic, but it has to be relevant traffic. It has to be the right people. That comes from being on Google for all the different things people will search for, and that comes from the content. Mm. So when somebody says, I'll get you on Google for this particular keyword, I, I just advise you to run away from them. <laughs> your, your size says it all. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, it, is, oh, it infuriates me. I, I, see these, I see them on Facebook ads all the time. There's one particular one that bangs on about links. It's like they've gone really back into advertising the way digital marketing was in the mid 2000s. Oh, you need loads and loads of links to get you get you to get you what? To get you rankings. Why 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 are you obsessing over links? I mean for God's sake, Google's made it pretty clear if you pay for a link to manipulate your rankings, you are breaking its terms of service. It's quite clear on that. It's quite clear. And they say, "Ah, but these links, these links won't breach Google's terms of service." Well, why not? They will. They are. You're just gambling on the fact that Google wants bottom. And if you want to do that to your business, if you want to essentially build your business on a massive house of cards, then go for it. You know, if you use these link builders that keep advertising on Facebook, yeah, you'll probably get higher rankings for a bit. You might get more traffic. You might even get more business. You probably won't, but you might. But at some point, Google's going to find it mm. and you're going to lose everything. So why would you do that? Why not just make your website the best it can be, the answer to the problems that people are looking for, so that when they search for those problems, they find you because you are the answer. You are the solution. You are the authority in your industry. You have the answers that they want. Then they'll use you. It's quite simple, really. It is. Is that the biggest problem you face at the moment in your industry? I, do you know, I genuinely think it is. We had this big thing in, in our industry. There was links were almost... They were always against Google's terms of service, but that almost became an accepted thing within our, our search engine optimization industry, that link building happens, that people buy, pay for links, they rent links. It's a thing because Google was never that good at identifying it. 
And then eventually, about 2012, I think it was, Google suddenly went and it did it. And all the companies that were selling links or building their clients' uh, rankings by buying links lost all their clients' rankings. And it all went almost overnight. There were SEO agencies going bust. But the, the really clever thing about it, and this is beautiful, the companies that were selling these links, they were charging, you know, maybe couple of hundred pounds, couple of thousand pounds a month to rent links from them. And they had like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of websites seeded around the internet. They were putting your links on. They then started charging you to remove them. <laughs> I know it's, it's like, well, fair play. You've got to, you've got to hand it to them, haven't you? You know, their business model has gone uh... overnight. People are no longer buying links. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to get rid of these links now. Otherwise, Google's going to disavow. Yes, Google's going to basically penalize your website for doing this. So we're going to charge you to remove the links. You absolute swines. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's ransom. It's really, it's really clever, though. It, it is, genius. you know. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's so wrong, isn't it? Like, where's the integrity? It's not. It's not, no. But I, I've, I've noticed a lot now. There's a lot of these link suppliers cropping up again now. It's almost as if we've gone full circle and the link mm. suppliers are going, ah, well, you know, back in, like, mid-2000s, we started doing all this, and then Google got wise to it, and the whole industry fell apart. Well, now we've got a better way of doing it and we're going to get away. We're really going to get away with it this time. We're honestly, Google's not going to find us this time. It's not going to know what we're doing. We're going to cheat our way to the top and honest, hand on heart, it's going to work. Spoiler alert, it isn't. <laughs> um, so is there anything that you wish, like you were talking about clients, you know, this, this, the fact that we need to educate them sometimes. And sometimes that comes with experience and hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? But is there anything that you wish that you'd known before you'd started a business? Yeah, I, I think one thing for me, I, I do a lot of face-to-face stuff. I do a lot of networking and I, I never really understood networking. Mm. And there's, there's a lot of people now who I see making the same mistakes. They start their business, whatever it may be, whether, you know, it could be a lawyer or it could be somebody making their own candles in their home. And they'll go out and start doing networking events because they were, that's what you do. You go out, you take your business cards out, you meet loads of people and they're going to become your clients. So you'll do things like chamber of commerce networking events, or you'll go to, um, I don't want to name any specific ones because I don't want to annoy anybody which is unusual for me because I normally don't mind about that. But you'll go to networking events and there'll be like five web designers there and they'll all give you their, their, their business cards and there'll be five accountants and there'll be five utility warehouse people, five people doing forever living and Arbon and, and aloe vera. Aloe vera, yeah, five of those people. And you'll get loads and loads of business cards and you'll come away from this meeting with a big stack of business cards having probably had two to three minute conversations with it. It's like speed dating, but for networking. And you won't remember any of them. You won't remember any of their names. You'll have this big stack of cards. You'll put it on your desk. You might connect with them on LinkedIn. You might send them an email. Guaranteed, some of them will send you an email. But you won't be able to refer any of them or recommend any of them because you won't know them. And they certainly won't know you. And that is what, for a long time, I thought networking was. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The real way to build networking is to surround yourself with people who you know, to, to parrot the phrase from, from one particular networking group, people you know, like, and trust. Mm. 
So when somebody says to someone, I, I'm thinking of getting my website redone or my, my web designers disappeared, I can't get hold of him to get any changes. Instantly, they think of you because you see them every week. You talk to them all the time. They hear you speaking. They, they have conversations with you about you know, what you do and what they do. And it is about relationships rather than knowing many people. So you don't need to know 10 accountants. You just need to know one well, one that you trust, one that you know is good at what they do. And ideally, you've used them as well. So that when you get posts on, on business groups in, on Facebook and they say, can anybody recommend an accountant to do this? And then you'll get 30 people recommended an accountant or different accountants because they happen to be in their networking group or they happen to have met them. Yeah. Have you used them? No. Do you know how good they are at what they do? No, not a clue. No, 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 no idea. It's just an accountant. That you're able then to refer somebody because you have personal experience of them. You know they're good at what they do and you know it's your reputation on the line. If you refer someone to your mum or you refer someone to your best friend, you want to know that they're going to they're going to do it and they're not mm. going to let you down. Otherwise, your mum's going to be back at you and go, that person you sent around to uh, wash my windows, they never turned up. You know, so networking, that's the big thing for me. It's not a throw lots of mud at the wall and see what sticks. It's build proper relationships with people that you know, you like and you trust and that you would recommend them to your best friend, to your best client and to your mum. That's the important thing for me. I completely agree and for a minute when you were talking about networking I was wondering if we'd been at the same networking event (laughs) (laughs) because we've been there and 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 I'll probably go to another networking event but when I go now more often than not it's to go and support somebody that is someone that I've got a really good relationship with so it might be you know a really good friend or a client or someone that's referred someone to me that's going to a networking event and and has invited invited me it's that's when I'll tend to go in there to to support and kind of cheer them on in the room more than myself um but yeah building relationships with people you already know you you contact sphere the people that know you well um something that I didn't know either before I started a business, but something I, I think is really important and I really agree with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. When, before you start a business, you don't know this in business, you don't realize how lonely it is. You know, so you start a business yourself, you know, if you're working from home, you end up never leaving the house. You know, if you, you hire yourself an office, you go to the office, you're there on your own, you go home, you're on your own, or you've got a partner or you live with your parents, but you, you, your actual contact circle isn't very big. And it's very, very lonely being in business. It's so much easier being employed. It's so much easier going to, uh, to an office or to a restaurant or to whatever it is that you work. And there's loads of people there who are all in the same position you are. You know, they're all getting paid on the Friday or they're all getting paid at the end of the month. You know, and you go out together because, yeah, we've been paid. It's brilliant. But if you run your own business, it's lonely. There's no one to talk to. There's nobody you can have that honest conversation with about this is difficult. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a, a proper networking group where you have people who are in the same position you are then you can talk to them you can benefit from their experience and they can benefit from yours and it just becomes a little bit less lonely running your business yeah it is it can be lonely and that's why one thing I always try and say to people is if people are struggling you know reach out like I've had zoom calls with people you know over a cup of tea or coffee you know five minutes quick phone calls 
just because it was struggling. Um, and I think having, you know, you don't have to go and spend two, three hours at a networking event to, to connect with someone and get a bit of advice. You can, LinkedIn's a powerful thing. You know, you can follow people, you can start a conversation. If you're having a, a chat with someone, be it once a week, twice a week, and it's just you and them, but it's five minutes, that sometimes can be even more valuable than going and being at a networking event for two hours. So, um, yeah, real food for thought there. Excellent. I'm getting quite deep, aren't I? No, it's good. Um, I want to let you get too deep, though, because oh, I'm no. going to ask you... I, I, like to, I like to ask random questions sometimes at the end of podcasts i can see you pulling your face don't worry i'm not going to ask you anything um you know anything too personal um tell me one book one film and one other podcast that you would recommend to the listeners okay one book I would say would be one I actually I did on Audible because I don't get a lot of time to read and I, I drive a lot down the country so I'm doing a lot on on, on you know listing now um, would be Simon Sinek start with why yeah awesome um, that. yeah it, some of these stories in there have you got it up there have you yeah I was just looking for it yeah it is there I'm gonna this will be on YouTube at some point hopefully <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go and grab it Okay. There it is. That's the one. That's, That's the one. one. Yep. Some of the stories in there about some some huge brands about why they do what they do. Um, it, it it applies no matter where you are in business, I think. And it you, you should always go back and work out what it is that actually drives you. Because a lot of people in business don't know. They don't know why they're doing it. And mm. and a lot if you ask people who haven't thought about this question before, they'll say, well, money. I want to put, you know, food on the table, feed my family. It's like, yeah, but why? Mm. You could do that if you're employed. Why? And it's about going back and back and back until you can stop saying why. And then eventually you'll find out why it is that you, you do what you do. And it's probably something quite deep-rooted, probably goes back to adolescence or childhood about why you do what you do. And that I found was really good. Um, podcast. Well, I'm launching my own Engaging Marketeer podcast in April. Ooh. But, yeah, yeah, but I won't say that. I'll say that the podcast I've been listening to religiously at the moment was, is um, Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. Yeah. Um, but I don't really want to say that because when I launch mine, I'm hoping to knock him off the business category at least for 12 hours. So don't, don't download that one just yet. Wait no. until May before you start listening to Stephen Bartlett's. But, you know, his, his is really good. The, the interviews he has on there are fantastic. Um, yeah, curses the man. He's he's very. Good. <laughs> he's pretty awesome. He is pretty awesome. Yeah, he, he does all right. He does all right. And then you've one was a film. And a film. I know you're going to watch Batman on the weekend. I am going to watch the Batman on the weekend. Yeah. Um. It, well, it's it's a. Di I mean, well, I I could name a lot of different films, but it, I'm going to need more from you on that. What 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 reasoning or purpose are you thinking of for film? Are we thinking for? advancement in business are you thinking just for entertainment or for emotional connection or um any of the three really it was just i'm, I'm just intrigued just to know what you've watched recently anything <laughs> thought-provoking anything really funny oh thought-provoking oh mm. right 
Um, well, I, I have a top. I don't have a favorite film. I have a top five film okay. in no particular order, um, and that would be Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Which is the greatest of the Star Wars movies? Anybody that disagrees with you on that one is wrong. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, saying nothing. <laughs> I'm saying Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Um, it would be Ghostbusters. Okay. The original Ghostbusters, absolute classic. Love that movie above all else. Um, Transformers the movie. Yeah, I'm with you there. The the 1986 animated yeah. film is just phenomenal in, in in every way. I could quote that movie from start to finish. <laughs> um, I'm a big Transformers fan, and I actually have a tattoo on my oh, arm. Oh, you there. do? Gosh, you really are a Transformers fan. Which is Transformers in Japanese. Um, that's four. Uh, Flash Gordon. Flash. Flash. Ah. Yep, yeah, which I think is the perfect camp comic book movie. Um, everything about it is, is brilliant, right down to the to the music from from Queen. Um, love Queen as well, and that's four, isn't it? No, I only have five. A top four. I don't. That's have fine. A... I mean, that's awesome that you've got a top four. I have a top four, but they're I all. Need to work out my top four. They're all equally tied. I, I couldn't pick a favorite out of that. No, that's awesome, Darren. Where can people find you if they want to follow you? Not in real life, online. Um, Oh yeah, well, um, I'm I'm going to be in in Cumbran this weekend. If anybody wants to follow me there, I'll be walking around, uh, going to the cinema, and then I'll be at the ship in in Killeen. Um, No, I'll be. <laughs> There's the Engaging Marketeer podcast, which launches April 22nd, so they can follow me there. Um, it's got its own website, engagingmarketeer.com, as well, so they can subscribe to there from iTunes, Spotify, and all the other places that people can consume podcasts, including YouTube. Um, or, of course, there's our website, engageweb.co.uk, which is our digital marketing agency where we, we help clients do stuff the right way, not ways that are going to get you in trouble with Google in three, six or nine months' time, <laughs> as some people will do. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today, Darren. Really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure.